Going into this new year, there's many things that possibly some of you are planning on bringing into your life or cutting out of your life. You are resolved to a certain decision. And in our Christian life, we need to live every day resolved to live for Christ, resolved to please Him, to honor Him, and to just be the Christian He would have you to be. And so what a great message that is to begin this service this morning. And I want to welcome you to the Sunday morning service here at Southwest Baptist Church. I trust and hope that you had a great Christmas and you'll continue to have a good holiday weekend here. But you're in the right place this morning on a Sunday in church, ready to worship the Lord with us. And it's great to see everybody today. Um, as we begin this morning, as we always do, we have Psalm 98 there in your bulletin, if you'd look there with me. The psalmist, just as we're getting to a new year, the psalmist had a new song in his heart. And he says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things in his right hand, and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath, hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a joyful noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing it to the Lord with a harp, with the harp and the voice of a song. With trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together. Before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth. With righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity. We're here this morning aware of who our God is. He's the righteous judge. He's the creator God of this world that we live in. And understanding today who he is. And understanding today not only who he is, but what he's done for you. May we have that same song in our heart each and every day of our life. And give him the praise and glory due unto his name. As we have the ushers come down this morning for the offering, I want to invite you uh, to pray along with me here in a moment. That God will be honored from your worship, from your praise. That God will be honored in the service and every aspect of it. And that your heart is ready to receive what it is God has for you uh, from his word today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And, and Lord, just the privilege that it is to be here this morning, God, uh, not only aware of you as our creator and as our sovereign God, but also... Uh, Lord, our Savior and the God who loves us. Lord, I pray this morning, God, as we come to you, Lord, that you will, uh, Lord, hear our prayer from a grateful heart. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning, God, to be ready. Lord, if there's anything in our heart between us and you at this time, I pray, Lord, that you would reveal that to us, convict us of it, help us, God, to give it over to you, turn from it, God, so we can receive what it is you have for us to receive, and so we can, uh, Lord, pray prayers, Lord, that you hear. Lord, bless us today, be it the offering the gift and the giver. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And once more, turn to hymn number 22. Hymn 22. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. 
descending bring from above echoes of mercy whispers of love this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long this is my story this is my song praising my savior take a moment and shake someone's hand Join us on that chorus. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission. All is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Be seated for a special. Lately I've been through some testing and trials Felt like a detour, it went on for miles But standing here now looking back I can say Lord I'm thankful Sometimes I thought I would never survive But here I am feeling so alive The darkness is past and the morning is bright and I'm thankful, Lord, I'm thankful like David after Goliath, like Paul and Silas after the jail. I'm thankful like Daniel after Goliath, Lord, I'm thankful, I'm thankful like Noah back on dry ground, thankful like Lazarus finally unbound. Every beat of my heart wants to pound. I'm thankful, Lord, I'm thankful. 
I've battled giants of failure and fear The shadows of doubt where my hope was unclear But all along, Lord, you were hovering near And I'm thankful All the sins of my past were a thundering roar That echoed the guilt that I could not ignore But it's nailed to a cross and I hear it no more And I'm thankful Lord, I'm thankful like David after Goliath, like Paul and Silas after the jail. I'm thankful like Daniel after the lions. Lord, I'm thankful, thankful like Noah back on dry ground, thankful like Lazarus finally unbound. Every beat of my heart wants to pound. I'm thankful, Lord, I'm thankful. Lord, I'm thankful like David after Goliath, like Paul and Silas after the jail. I'm thankful like Daniel after the lions. Lord, I'm thankful, thankful like Noah back on dry ground, thankful like Lazarus finally unbound. Every beat of my heart wants to pound. I'm thankful, Lord, I'm thankful. Oh, I'm thankful, Lord, I'm thankful. Amen. If you're thankful this morning, say amen. So I'll stand together with our Bibles, Joshua chapter 3 today. Joshua chapter 3, this is the last Sunday of the year. We mentioned that just a little bit ago. And we have several people out sick today, and so our kids are in here. That's why we had uh, them running in here after the song started there. But we'll be back to normal junior church next week. Don't you worry about that. And uh, next Sunday as well, uh, we have uh, or think possibly one of my favorite Sundays of the year, with this being our second one here, but Vision Sunday. And so with Vision Sunday, we introduce a new theme for the year and have several things for you. And then Sunday night, uh, we'll give you kind of the vision for the year, certain things that we have on the calendar and possibly in- implementing. So I want to encourage you to be here next Sunday all day uh, for that special day. And there's a meal afterwards uh, with that as well. But we're looking here in Joshua chapter 3. And we'll begin reading here in verse 1. It says, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests of the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way which by you must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant, and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore, take ye twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man, And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon in heat. And it came to pass when the people were moved from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, For Jordan overfloweth all his banks at the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a very heap far from the city. Adam that is beside Zeratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. 
And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm upon dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. There's a long chapter to read there this morning, but we find, finally, the children of Israel crossing into the promised land. Somewhat of a fresh start for them. And this morning, as we're finishing out the year going into the new year tomorrow, I want to preach to you how to handle a fresh start. How to handle a fresh start. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your, your spirit and, Lord, how you dwell within each and every Christian. And, God, today, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that you'd move, remove distractions from our heart and mind. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, God, to just be able to plug in and receive exactly what it is you have for us this morning out of this third chapter in Joshua. Lord, bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we look here in Joshua chapter 3, we understand and need to understand as we apply this this morning, the history of the children of Israel. And God delivered, as we look in the book of Genesis, the nation of Israel out of Egypt. They were in captivity for a number of years, and as he did that, he led them toward the promised land. And over a period of two years, as they had been let out of the promised land, God gave his people the law. He taught them uh, how to worship him. And after those two years, when they arrived at a place where they could finally cross over into the promised land, God really all they had to do was enter and it was theirs it was a promise God had promised them we can go back all the way to Abraham God told Abraham what was theirs and all that they could claim and so the children of Israel are finally at that point in the book of Numbers we find them there and instead of choosing to go they saw a great opponent before them they saw something that was somewhat intimidating for them to, 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 to possibly conquer. And instead of leaping forward in faith and, and taking that land that God had promised them so many years before, they wavered and they stayed back in fear. And they wanted to turn back. They even said, can we go back to Egypt and be slaves there? It would be better for us to be slaves there than to die here or to be conquered in Egypt. And God punished them for the lack of faith. We understand for 40 years they were punished. They were stuck there in the wilderness and a whole generation lost the opportunity to enter the promised land. So as we get here to the book of Joshua, we read there in chapter 3 this morning, because there was finally this opportunity, 40 years had passed, they were ready to cross over into Canaan. They're ready to claim their inheritance in this land of promise. But as we look here in Joshua 3, before they could enter Canaan, they must first get past a final major obstacle and as we look here it would be the one of the Jordan River and normally if we were to look at the Jordan you can look in your bulletin there and you can see about the size of what this would be in the area uh, that most likely the children of Israel were in according to uh, geography but ordinarily this was only about a hundred foot march across this river but as we read at the end of Joshua chapter 3 it was during the time of harvest and during the time of harvest, so much water had risen up, and it was about a mile-long journey they would have had to make across this water. Over 50 times wider than it normally was. And as you would imagine, there's no way that all those people, the whole, the whole group of the children of Israel could cross this on their own. They needed supernatural help, and God was ready to offer exactly what they needed. And as we look in the Bible, we often see God do things like this, don't we? He removed any kind of hope and self and and he, he made the obstacle even larger than what it normally was so they knew only by God could they conquer this we find look through story after story example after example in the word of God God was ready to offer it to the children of Israel at this point and we have a God who specializes in overcoming the overwhelming are you glad about that they were headed for something that they had waited for for so many years something new you know, new is one of those words in our English language that often gets us excited. Sometimes it doesn't. Who in here doesn't really like change? Anybody like me? Okay. But there are certain things when they are new that we are very excited about them and appreciate the new quality. For the children, we just had Christmas last week and many children have new toys, new dolls, new clothes. Uh, there's many people in here today that wouldn't mind having a new car. As we journey through life, there's a moments where we had a new job or a new home or a new relationship or a new baby. If you know Jesus this morning, if you put your faith and trust in him for salvation, if you are his child, there was a moment in your life where you experienced that new birth and then you had a new life because of that new life, new birth in him. And all of us live with a promise one day that we will have a new body and a new home in heaven with Jesus. 
God is the God, the giver of many wonderful new things. He's a God of new beginnings. And on the last Sunday of 2023, as we stand here finishing this, this last day of the year in church, we have this new door of opportunity in front of us moving into 2024 with many possibilities and opportunities that will no doubt come in this new year. Twelve new months. Uh, it's a leap year, 366 new days. Uh, almost 9,000 new hours, about 526,000 new minutes, 31,600,000 new seconds. Every one of those is God's gift to us. And as we look at the children of Israel here in Joshua chapter 3, it's been a very long journey for them. And Moses had, uh, over, the, over the years, led them out of Egyptian bondage. They parted the Red Sea, crossed with God's help. They went to the portals of the Promised Land, turned, had 40 years in the wilderness, had to fight enemies, spent four decades. And finally, they're on the eastern bank of Jordan, just opposite the land that God had promised them. It's a time once and for all for them to cross over into this new land, this new opportunity. And in our tradition in America and in the world that we live in, New Year's Day, New Year's Weekend, New Year's Eve, and New Year's Day provide us with a similar moment, doesn't it? An opportunity to step out from the old and step into the new, have a fresh start. And only God knows what the future holds. But our possibilities, the things that God could bring into our life are many and and as we look at the book of Joshua, thousands of years later, it still speaks to us on the subject today. And I want us to learn, what can we learn when approaching a fresh start? As we look here in Joshua chapter 3 here, beginning in the beginning of the chapter, the first thing we can learn is follow God. Follow God. We look there in verse 2, it says, And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. So the children of Israel were challenged to do a couple things. And these things were designed to help them follow the Lord better. And as they followed God, the first thing they needed to do was simply just watch. Watch God. You know, the Ark of the Covenant is something many of us are familiar with today. In, in Joshua chapter 3, it is mentioned, I believe, seven times. And the ark, as you may remember, was a special piece of the tabernacle furniture, and it symbolized the presence and the power of God. It had its place there in the temple, but now we find it being the first thing to go across the Jordan River. So why, why would God care so much about this? Why would God care so much about a piece of furniture? Why would he require this fixture of the tabernacle to go first and to lead them? Why was this a big deal? If we look inside the ark, we understand that a little more. If we, look, if we were to open up the ark and look inside, we would find two stone tablets. Those stone tablets that God spoke to Moses after Moses destroyed the ones that God himself wrote on. God, Moses penned the Ten Commandments, the law that God gave him on those two stone tablets. They were part of the ark of the covenant. In there, we'd also find a pot of manna. This pot of manna was a reminder of them of the grace of God and 40 years of provision and, and the supplying of food. Another item that was included in there, we would find Aaron's rod. It was a dead stick that miraculously began to, to bud leaves and almonds and validated the power of God in an object as simple as a rod. Those are three historical reminders that they had there. Those are three witnesses of God's love, God's grace, God's power. And as they had those inside the ark, it was a reminder of, of God's goodness to them. But it was much more than that, wasn't it? If you were to look on the outside of the ark, on the very top of the ark, we would find this gold plate called the mercy seat. And over that mercy seat, two statues of cherubim knelt on each side of that. And we can look in the Psalms, they, they speak of God enthroned upon a cherubim. That's what it's referring to, the Ark of the Covenant. And on this ark, this piece of furniture that was leading the children of Israel, God himself showed up right there on the mercy seat. And understanding God's presence had been there, it gave meaning to them of his past acts of power, the dwelling place of God. Now we can look, we can consider this morning or compare the ark as the Old Testament equivalent to what we have spent the last month talking about Emmanuel, God with us. And when the ark led the way, it meant that God was leading his people. And for the census, with the ark in the front, he would, go, he would, so to speak, take those first steps into Canaan for his people, the ones that he had chosen and promised this land to. 
But there's a lesson in it for us this morning. We, we do not know what the year 2024 has in store for us. We, we haven't been there before. We, we don't know what is going to come, but most often, most, uh, my mind just went completely blank. Most certainly, possibly, that might be a good word to use. I can think of some big words, okay? There's most likely going to be difficult days, isn't there? Yeah. There's going to be moments of temptation. There's going to be great moments of uncertainty. There's going to be trials that come into our life. There's going to be moments of testing. There's going to be moments where we have no answers. But as we approach this new year, as we approach these new days, as we approach these new opportunities, as no doubt we approach new trials in our life, we can move on this morning understanding and, and, and knowing without a shadow of a doubt that we have a God who desires to lead us, that we must follow, that we must watch, that we must look to. As we look in his word, we have promise after promise that we just sometimes need to look to God or wait on God. And if we watch him, he'll teach us exactly what it is that he would have for us to do day by day. Now, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 24, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And I want to encourage you today, before we do anything in this new year, wait on God, look to God, seek his help, seek his power, seek his direction in your life. And as David wrote Psalm, Psalm 27, he expressed great confidence in the Lord and he could wait on him knowing that God's ways were greater. That God was strong, that God was his light, his salvation. I would encourage you to read the whole, to read the whole chapter, Psalm 27, sometime this week and, and just purpose to wait on him and to trust him because of who he is. But as we look to him and as we wait on him, we also need to have a desire to be with him, to commune with him, to be in his presence, to worship in his temple. And I would encourage you to watch him, look to him, wait on him, get in his word, let him speak to you. Now, the children of Israel, they weren't just encouraged to watch God. The second thing we look here, if you look at verse 3, they, there was a need for them to not only watch God, but to seek God. You know, when they saw the Ark of the Covenant, they were told there, look, look there at verse 3 with me. He says, when you see it, the end of verse 3, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. So when you see it move, you move. When you see it cross, you cross. When you see it progress, you progress with it. It isn't enough for us this morning just to know who God is and to understand what he's doing. It isn't just enough for you this morning to have his word in your heart and to, and to read it, even that we need to definitely be doing those things and to be seeking God, but there, must, there is sometimes a time in our life that we must leave where we are and go after him. Leave where we've been waiting and move towards God, follow him. And this may require some of us in our life to leave our comfort zone. You know, Israel was about to follow the ark through a river over one mile wide, and no doubt this wasn't an easy thing for them, but it was necessary, and it was right. You know, following God today may not be the easiest thing you're ever going to do. I promise you, it is not the easiest thing you're ever going to do. Being a disciple of God is not the easiest thing we could do. Our next chapter, our next reference in Luke, I think as we finish chapter 10, we're going to find being a disciple isn't easy. It's not comfortable, but it's the best thing you could ever do. And if we ever expect to get past our obstacles and enter our Canaan, we must learn to seek God. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. I want to encourage you to come back tonight. We're going to spend some time here in Colossians 3, but I want to show you one part of this this morning. It's important that God's people spend time in his presence for guidance and direction in the new year. We look here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, if you then be risen with Christ, if you're saved, that's you. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Then in verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. So since we've been raised to a new life in Jesus, we're told to seek those things which are above. There's many things in this world we seek, isn't there? There's many things in this world that call for us to seek it. And there's many things in this world that it is okay for us to pursue, but we need to make sure above those things we are seeking our God. And that word seek there in the, is in a present tense imperative mood. That means to continually be seeking those things which are above. Not just seek it one time in your life, not just seek it when you need it, but seek it every day. 
And then verse 2 builds on that thought by saying that our affections need to be set on things above. So not just seeking those things that are above, but those things that our heart desires most, those things that we long for most, are the things that are heavenly, not earthly. That word affection refers to the mind. So I want to encourage you this morning as we approach this new year, as we follow Christ, we are told here to focus our thoughts on the heavenly, not the earthly. To set our minds on the things of God and on the things that bring glory to God. If we were to spend some time here in that chapter, we would find many different things and suggestions that we could do to make sure our mind was set on Christ. We need to have a deeper knowledge of Jesus. We need to have a clean, holy life. There needs to be godly virtues. There needs to be holiness in our social life, in our home life. There needs to be a prayer life. That We must be witnesses of God all there in the book of Galatians. We are to allow a heavenly perspective to govern our earthly walk. A heavenly perspective governing our earthly walk so what would that look like in your life what would that look like in my life every decision you make every activity you you take part in every plan every purpose should always be considered in light of eternity you say what does that mean i can't have a life no that's not what it means (laughs) does that mean my kids can't have fun and be part of things and, and and play sports and have all the all these different things going on does it mean i shouldn't pursue uh, career advancement no it doesn't mean that but everything we do we we do in light of eternity and anything that could ever hinder our walk with God anything that could ever bring us away from God we need to make sure we remove it or set priorities where they need to be set your affection on things above everything is to be laid out before the Lord and considered not from an earthly perspective but from the viewpoint of heaven amen Let's get back to our text here, verse 4. He says, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, and 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. So we look there, the Israelites are told, the ark's in front of you, you are to stay 2,000 cubits behind it, no closer than that. That'd be about 3,000 feet, 1,000 yards they were supposed to stay away from there, over half a mile away from the ark. Don't go near it so you can see which way to go because you haven't traveled this way before. That's what God was telling them. God was very particular about the distance that was to be kept from the ark, and the reason was clear. He wanted all of Israel to see which way God wanted them to go because if they got too closely, only those in front would be able to see. Are you with me? If, If the group in front crowded too closely, only a handful of people would have seen it. So picture the scene with me this morning. I want you to look at your bulletin again on the back, that picture there. All of Israel is waiting on this sloping hill beside the Jordan River. They're waiting there as the the land goes down towards the river. They're waiting. The ark's positioned about a thousand yards, yards away from them. Everyone in the nation was able to see it. The priests had the ark on rods on their shoulders and they walked towards the white waters of Jordan Everybody would understand the point. God intended for Israel to breach the Jordan River, to cross it with him. He wanted everyone to know who they were following. Before we move on to this next point this morning, who are you following? Who are we looking to? As your pastor, it's my desire to lead, to preach the word of God. But before you follow me, follow God. Make sure what, what I'm saying lines up with the word of God, and when it doesn't, don't follow Follow God. There's a lot of good things in this life that God's given to us and blessed us with, but don't follow those things above God. Follow Him. The second thing we need in this fresh start, not only follow God, secondly, be prepared. Be prepared. What does verse 5 say? And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. How exciting was the second half of that verse? God was about to do something great, wasn't he? But before that was going to happen, there was something they they needed to do, sanctify themselves. There's a command there. We could also use the word, instead of sanctify, we could use the word consecrate. That would mean to prepare, to dedicate, to be hallowed, to be holy, to be separate or set apart. So God said, when I move, you move. But before that happens, take some time. To be set apart. Take some time to, to check your own life, your heart, to look at your mind, to look at, to look at where, where your heart is, to where your, your affections are. 
take some time to, to, to sanctify yourselves. He says, if you're going to cross the uncrossable and follow me, you must be set apart to me. That's what God was saying. There needed to be holiness in them. And in order for there to be holiness from them, in order for them to be, to be set apart as God intended them to be, there's two things involved in that. The first thing, and, it, and it's needed for us today, personal repentance of every known sin. What happened to the Israelites the last 40 years? They were being punished because of sin, right? They had sinned against God. They had no faith in him. They would not obey. God punished them. They understood what sin could bring. They should have already had their children and grandchildren being raised in the promised land. And now they find themselves again about to cross. God says, take some time to sanctify yourself. Now, Isaiah wrote, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. Verse 2, but your iniquities, your sins, have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. That's what happened to the children of Israel at certain points. God was always there. He didn't change. But iniquity and sin hurt the fellowship. And we can look in the word of God. There's verse after verse to tell us the very same thing. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not what? Hear me. If we want God to hear us, if we want God's blessings in our life, if we want God, God's presence with us and leading us, we need to make sure there is nothing that is separating our fellowship with him. Why, why does this really matter? What's the effect of, the, of sin on God's people? God showed us in his word. We could go just a little beyond this story and we find a man named Achan. You know that story? Joshua was leading the children of Israel. There were many battles that needed to be won and enemies still to be conquered. And Achan sent to the camp one man, sinned, and it brought misery and defeat on an entire nation. Many people died that shouldn't have died. Many people were punished that shouldn't have been punished. Christian, it's important for you to keep short accounts with God. On the day before one of the greatest events in the, in the history of the children of Israel, God told them there in verse 5, sanctify yourself. They needed to be certain they were right with God. They needed to examine their life, devote themselves wholly to the Lord. They needed to be clean. They needed to put away anything that was displeasing to God. They were to examine themselves and to get ready for God to do something amazing, those wonders that he spoke about. If you and I ever expect to get across the Jordans that come in our life, we need to learn that one of the first things we must do is examine our heart and make sure we're right with God. I want to encourage you, do not go into this new year without being right with God. Do not take another step in your life without being right with God. Is everything right now in your life as God would have it to be? Is there sin between you and God? And sin is anything we do against God and his will. Anything we do against the word of God, his commands. We can start with the commandments and move beyond there. Anything we do that is contrary to what God would have us to do, anything we do that is against his command, his instruction, is sin. Is there a stronghold in your life? Is there an addiction in your life? Is there some kind of vice that is there that continues to get you time after time? Is there an attitude that shouldn't be there? Is there anger that shouldn't be there? Give it over to God. And as we confess, you know what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's a good God. Be prepared. Being prepared requires personal repentance. But secondly, this, sanctifi this sanctifying, this consecration that needed to happen was not just about confessing sin, but it was also putting oneself on spiritual alert to see God at work. Consecration in the Old Testament involved other things like washing their clothes or abstaining from certain activities or changing schedules. If they were to consecrate themselves as, as God would have them to, they would deliberately interrupt good and normal functions in life in order to be alert for what God was going to do. Consecration in my life would mean I will set aside the typical and have my spirit ready to see where God is working around me so I can join him. It's a change of priorities. Putting God above everything else. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable service. 
And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you want to do what God's will is for your life? Yes. I believe if you're here this morning, that's a desire of your heart. Do you want to do what's expected of you? What's reasonable? Put God first. Be ready. If you want to be ready for this fresh start, first thing, watch God. Second thing, prepare yourself. Third thing, and lastly this morning, trust God. How to be ready for a fresh start? Just trust God. Look at verse 7. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. That was important. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. Now look at verse 13. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon and heap. Here's the moment of truth. God says, I'm going to lead. We see the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Before God ever moved any waters, they needed to step into the water. They needed to stand, step in and stand still right there. There was a command for them to step into the water and to get their feet wet. And I tell you today, faith moves you forward in God's way, in God's timing. And, and there's going to come a moment when you must act on what God has said, and if you don't, we'll never get across those things. There's two things we need to understand today. If we're ready for this fresh start, if we're ready to cross Jordan as God would have us to, first thing, we need to understand focusing on God is essential. Look to God, watch God, and then consecrating ourselves to God is vital. But we will never cross You'll never go where God wants you to go. You'll never accomplish what it is God wants you to accomplish unless you take that step of faith. Everybody, listen to this right now. Our heart, our heart, our eyes can be right where they need to be. And you may be here this morning and your heart's in the right place, your, your eyes in the right place, you're looking toward God. But if you do not move, if you do not move your feet in obedience to God, you will never progress in God's work. If we do not move when he says move, if we do not obey as he's commanded, we cannot expect to see spiritual fruit from our life. We can know all about him, we can have all the trust in the world for him, but if we do not move, we will not accomplish what it is God wants us to accomplish, so we need to commit ourselves. And I want to add something else here. I want you to notice this element of trust that needs to be present in all faith. God did not move Part the waters before they stepped. He part the waters after, right? We look at verse 8. He says, when you're come to the brink of the water of Jordan, you shall stand still in Jordan. Then it's going to happen. But he wanted them to take a step and then stand still. What, why was that important for them? Because it needed to be abundantly clear to everybody that it was not the, the priest with the Ark of the Covenant that did anything, it was the God of the Ark of the Covenant. It wasn't their feet stepping into the water that did anything. It wasn't their work that did anything. It was God, after they waited, that cleared the water. Their standing still in that water after that step testified to the fact that everything they had, everything that was going to happen, came from God. They stepped out and they stood still. People of all ages waiting on God. Now, getting across the Jordan did not rest on the shoulders of the children of Israel. It didn't rest on their feet. It rested on God. And it was God's plan to get them over, and it was God's problem. And all that was required of Israel was that they simply would just trust God. You know, God hasn't changed. We, we look in the Bible, and it's, I'll be with you this morning, it's, it's intimidating, isn't it? We look and we see command after command. We see instruction. We find examples of what holy living looks like. We see all these things. And it's intimidating for us as Christians to look at those things and to, to think, how could I ever do those things? How could I ever be the person God would have me to be? We just need to follow, seek him, and wait. And when he moves, we move. 
When he says take that step, take that step. Trust him to do the rest. You know, we're often unable to get past obstacles because we have a life that shows a lack of faith in the promises of God. Is anybody, anybody in here ever worried about tomorrow? Anybody? I have. Anybody worry about tomorrow? <laughs> you know what he says in Matthew chapter 6? Take no thought for tomorrow. Don't worry about it. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What about material things? Anybody ever worry about money? You worry about your job, you worry about your, your kids, you worry about the, the things you need to have in this life to survive. You know what he says? But my God shall supply all you need according to his riches and glory. What about our ability to accomplish what God's told us to accomplish? What about just worrying about, I know what God wants me to do. I want that to happen, but I don't know how I can do it. I don't know how I could ever bring anybody to church. I don't know how I could ever raise my children right in this world we live in. I don't know how I could stand up to my boss when they want me to do a certain thing I know I shouldn't be doing. or to I, I don't know how I can do any of these things. What about I will never leave thee nor forsake thee? What about but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you? Then we can be the witnesses. You know, we worry about a lot of things, don't we? We live in fear. We live in doubt many days of our life but God tells us that worry is a sin and what you need to do and what I need to do this morning is just trust him to do the work you know, Jesus is all powerful all knowing all present the thing that you're going through he knows the thing you're about to go through he knows he knows everything there is to know about it he knows more about you or more about your problem than you do. He's the sovereign, supreme God, greater than any problem you'll ever face. And it is his desire is that you learn to take him at his word and trust him. We need to remember that what God has promised he's going to do. We look at the children of Israel here, we're almost done. They needed to watch God, they needed to prepare themselves, they needed to trust God. And what do you think happened? God delivered, didn't he? Picture this with me as we look at verse 16. That the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a very heap far from the city, Adam. That is besides Zeratim. Verse 17, and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. God did it again. Not only was the water gone, but the, the ground under was dry. They stepped there. And as those priests stood there with the Ark of the Covenant and they waited, the waters began to move. Not only did the waters move, move, move down uh, from them, but they also dried up all the way to the Dead Sea. You want to know how long that was from that point where they were? The city Adam to the Dead Sea, about 20 miles. Not just enough for a group to single filely uh, walk across, but the whole group of them could just together walk across the Jordan River. 20 miles wide. God made a path through the water that was more than adequate for his people to get through. Faith honors God, and God honors faith. Our God was able to do everything throughout the, throughout the Bible, and he's able to lead his children across the Jordan River. He's able to help you today. But we doubt him, don't we? Remember the question that plagued the Jews? I, I preached this back earlier in the year can God furnish a table in the wilderness God led them from Egypt they wondered can God do this they said can God and what did God show God can that food they needed he provided from manna from the sky when they got tired of that he gave them bird to eat God can what about when God told Noah to build an ark and all that was going to take place there was the craziest thing anyone in that day had ever heard but God did what he said he'd do. Moses, all the things God had for him, Daniel, the three Hebrews, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the fiery furnace, the, the widow and Zarephath, as we've looked in the life of Elijah, the disciples on a ship, Saul of Tarsus, God did everything he said he'd do. Now, there's some new Christians in here today, but there's also some that have known God for some time. There's people in here today that have had to trust God in difficult times, of your life and you can look back today in times where you wondered can God and now you can look back 
with a certainty that God can. As we look at this new year, you have many things ahead of us. And you may be like the Israelites today. As as we look there in Joshua chapter 3, I I noticed this phrase where he says, we have not been this way before. We have not passed this way heretofore there in verse 4. There's some certain things in your life you know you need to be doing or you know God might, might allow and you may just, just like them say, you know, I've never been this way before. I've never tried living for God before. I've never tried to, to, to reach people before. I've never tried to do this or this or this. I've never done these things before. And you may wonder, can they get done? How, how, how do we get through this new beginning? The same way the children of Israel did. Follow him. Consecrate yourself, and then just trust him. It's not new, is it? Have you heard that before? You know, the problem with many, many Christians today, some of us, as we take advantage of these new beginnings, is that we come to the edge of the water. We see the Jordan River right in front of us. We know what God wants us to do, and I, I can imagine there might have been some there with this lack of faith. As they looked at the water, they would see what was ahead of them and think, you know what? Lord, if you move these waters, then I'll go. You think any of them thought that? Think about them all the way back at the Red Sea. Lord, if you, God, if you part this, we'll, we'll be ready. Or as we look at the Jordan River, Lord, as soon as you get that water, I am ready to go. But that's not what God wanted them to do. He says, get your feet wet. I'll do the rest. And there may be some people here that just need to get their feet wet. You, you may have been thinking for a very long time in your life that you need to do what God would have you to do. And in this fresh, in this new year, you're thinking, you know what? I want to do more for God. I want to reach this person. I want to read my Bible more. I want to do this with my kids. I, I want to help this person, encourage them. I want to change my attitude at work. God, if you do this, then I'll do those things. That's not what he wants. We need to take a step and wait on God and watch him do the rest. I long to see God do what only God can do. And we can look in the Bible, we find the church of Acts. They had many impossible situations that came. But God always delivered because when those situations came, they continued to move. They took a step and waited. There's people in here today, you have a Jordan right in front of you. And as we look at the challenge... It's a lot, isn't it? What I want to encourage you to do is believe that nothing is impossible to God. Focus your soul, your heart on Him, and follow Him. Cast out any sin in your life, live, live separate unto God, and then be ready to move when He moves. Be ready to obey when He says go. Here's an opportunity for every single one of us today. What are we going to do with the opportunity for the fresh start? Every head bowed, every eye closed.